0: Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Hey, playwrights. Welcome to Hey Playwright,
1: a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Mabel. Hey, Dory.
0: Wow, it's been a, a long December and many other months.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when did that we break? Oh, was it uh, July? I don't even remember.
0: Oh, I was thinking in terms of just not being able to go in person to see shows and that sort of thing. Uh-huh. But yeah,
1: you I were think going. It, you were going with the poetic along December. I I hear yeah. you.
0: Well, I was also referencing County County Crow. Crows! I, <laughs> <it. laughs>
1: I was about to start singing, but I was like, maybe that's maybe you're going with something else. That no,
0: no, no. But I was just thinking in terms of wow. I did see them play recently, and when he sang that song, it had so much more meaning. Yeah, I went last Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. I
1: didn't know that you went to see County Crows. Oh my
0: gosh, every time they come to town, we go. And sometimes we even fly other places to see them.
1: Where did they play?
0: Uh, SDSU, the open air theater right there.
1: Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. I did not know that.
0: it It was so lovely. And I have to say, Adam Duritz, the lead singer, just really was so grateful. Like, it felt very emotional, you know, Aww. because they're starting to have live audiences again. And and as with everybody, it's like being able to see live theater, live music, to have a, a cup of coffee, you know, do things that we didn't even think twice about before. Well, now you yeah. do. Yeah, when he sang that song, getting back to to my point, it just felt... It felt like the weight of it was more substantial (laughs) than it ever had been. So I feel that we are are starting to get to a place where we can see live theater. And that's exciting. And boy, this playwright that we have on the podcast today, I sure do hope that we are able to see his play that we're going to
1: talk about. Yes. I can't remember the last time I was as excited about a play like from reading the script, just reading the script. And and I read the play, not really knowing a whole lot about it. But knowing his work, because because mm-hmm. he was a part he is now part of he was a part of the Hey Playwright universe. Um, right. And now he's even more so. Um, but I, I just I I cannot stop thinking about this play. It's been it's been a bit since we've read it. And and I've read plays since, and I've seen plays since, um, and I just—it still stays with me. And I—I I want this play to come to San Diego. Uh, um, but, but in the meantime, um, we will make do with Seattle, and we'll—we're going to hear this wonderful interview with Christian, and we will learn more about that. Um, just
0: to give you a little bit more background about Christian, Christian Saint Croix is a Queer, black, multi genre playwright. He wrote a book of prose and poetry called M, and he was recently featured in American Theater Magazine's Roll Call People to Watch installment. His works include Zach, winner of the 2021 Young Howes Theater Award for Best Comedic Writing, and All the Birds Loved Her, an audio play commissioned by Blind Spot Collective and the La Jolla Playhouse. And Follow the Fireflies, a monologue published in the New World Theater's 0846 collection,
1: Celebrating Black Writers. So we hope you enjoy our very first interview for season three of Hey Playwright with Christian
2: St. Croix.
1: (laughs) Airhorn. Welcome, welcome, Christian.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: We had the pleasure of getting to hear Christian's work, are we in? We're still in the same year, right? Yes, it's you know, COVID has just like erased any semblance of time. But yes, Valentine's Day when we did our V minute Valentine's festival and your beautiful script, Christian, this this lovely about a love story between two young men that were finding each other. And it was uh, just so lovely. First Boyfriend was the name of the piece, I believe.
2: Yeah, no, no. Thank you so much. That was such a fun piece to write. Um, in, the, in one of the earlier drafts, the the mom was doing all sorts of outrageous, crazy things. And I decided to you know, narrow it down and, and, and reel it in a bit and focus more on the, the story between the two young men. And, um, the actors who who did the reading, they were fantastic. They were amazing. Uh, well,
0: uh, as we like to say, it starts with the words, right? It started with your script. and, um, yes, they did a lovely job, but boy, your your script was just beautiful and touching. And, you know, I know I'm speaking for myself, but I think that everybody watching that play, listening to that play, you know, you're reminded of of your first love. Of what that felt like and then all the outside forces that try to get in the way of right, you connecting, right. right? Oh gee. Yeah, it brought back memories, but also it was just um so wonderful to see those words come to life. Because when we read it, you know, all the scripts were coming in for the contest. We both went, Oh, this this just this captures it, this captures that feeling.
1: And Christian, I think yours was the last one to come in. Actually, I think so. I think it was the last one. Yeah, I think it was. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, oh, wow. yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. We were we had um, we had a surprising amount of entries for our for our little podcast. Right? It was how many? It was well over a hundred. Yeah. Um. So we were we were just delighted to get yours, and and so excited that we found out you were local yes i I mean (laughs) we don't we don't know that when we're reading the scripts where people are you know sending in from um and so to find out that you were here in the san diego area was just like a bonus like oh wow (laughs) and then and then i started seeing your name everywhere
2: everywhere everywhere yeah You too, huh? (laughs) I I don't... (laughs) It it always still shocks and surprises me when when I I see something online with my my name on it that I didn't produce myself. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it's crazy to me.
0: Yeah, I I know that um, when I saw that your play, Monsters of the American Cinema, was going to be done in Seattle... I said, oh, Mabel, we need to talk to him. Because (laughs) I really wanted to know more about that. I had, I know that you had it performed at the Fringe here in San Diego, right? A couple of years ago.
2: That was actually a a self-production with my, I, I have a small theater group. We only do Fringe productions. It's called Boy and Monster. So I produced that myself and I actually played the role of Remy. I am absolutely not an actor, <laughs> but um, the actor I had in mind for the role couldn't do it at the last minute. So I said, well, you know, I, I guess I know the script the best, so I'll step up and and play the role. And um, I played against a fabulous actor. His name is Devin Wade. He played a Pup, the 16-year-old. And it was just the two of us. We, um, at That time, because it was a fringe productions, fringe productions, at least the rules here in San Diego, um, can't go past an hour. So it was a shorter version of the script. And um, because you're in a venue that you have to move into quickly and out of quickly, you shouldn't have a big elaborate set. So what we did was we made a four foot by four foot square stage And both of us played on and around the stage. We put all the props around the stage. So when it came time to transition from scene to scene, it was just a matter. I know in the script, uh, Pup has a camcorder. So the camcorder was next to the stage when he needed it. He just dipped down, grabbed it, and he had a camcorder. So um, yeah, it was a whole lot of fun. Um, That actually wasn't the first production out here though. The very first production was produced by the Scripps Ranch Theater uh, for their Out of the Limb Festival, I believe. And um, it was, it started, it all began as a pitch. They were asking for pitches. And I have to admit, I didn't have a single word of the script written. I um, had an idea. And so I said, okay, I've been kicking around this idea in my head why don't I, you know, get this idea, a little story, send it their way. If they're like it, you know, I'll I'll, I'll get to work on the script. And they ended up liking it. Um, and I believe they gave us a month to produce a script. And so the earliest version of um, Monsters of the American Cinema was <laughs> power written in a month um, based off of this pitch. And um, they ended up selecting the script. It was one of three chosen and uh, they produced it. It was directed by James P. Darvis, who works with the Onstage Playhouse, and um, it starred I want to say Aaron Lugo. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. And John Wells Jr. or John Wells uh, the Third played Remy. Um, so yeah, that's it's Monsters of the American Cinema. Um, was born here in San Diego and began here in San Diego.
0: And there are all these fabulous references to San Diego. So um, mm-hmm. listening audience, uh, if you have not read it, we we highly suggest that what well, you're gonna have to fly out to Seattle to see it is what's gonna happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that um, we were curious how you realized in that fringe production, some of the uh, scarier effects, that happen in the play where there's a moment where Remy is pulled off the, the stage, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that was such a scary, like, surprising moment for me. And I thought, ooh, we were talking about how do you do that in a fringe production? Because as you said, it's very scaled down. You have to get in and out quickly. How did you do it?
2: <laughs> we... Um- the those the dream sequences in the fringe version of it, they were actually um shorter, and it was actually uh, the pup character narrating in kind of a um, lyrical style while scary music played. And he did um I was um, working with um I co-directed it with um, another boy and monster member, Gabriel Huerta. And he is a choreographer and he actually choreographed the pieces. So um, th- those original scenes in those original scenes, um, it was him dreaming, describing what was going on and um, doing this choreography where you can see him slowly transitioning into a monster. Um, so that's how we, we, we did that one. The scenes with the dream sequences didn't really come about until um, it had a workshop with the prologue theater in Virginia. And um, I decided the scenes were working, but how can I make it even more scary? And that's where those scenes came about.
0: I have to say, Mabel and I were talking about it yesterday and you managed to really harness that fear because I was reading it. I'm not kidding you. I was reading it at home, I was by myself. (laughs) And it was darker in my house. And I started to get really scared. I was nervous. (laughs) It was like, and, and you know, it's, I think that's challenging to do for theater, or I haven't seen a lot of that on the stage. Of course, you see it in movies. But as I was reading it, I was really nervous. I was starting to get scared. I was scared for those characters, mm-hmm. and boy, boy, that moment—that moment when Remy says he thinks you are dead—I was like, oh, "What just happened?" I mean, I cried. It just—I—I I felt every emotion I could possibly feel reading the script, and then—and it was me just imagining how it would play out. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you for that thank journey. You.
2: Yeah. It, it, it um, as terrifying as it was for you. I, 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 wanted it to be really terrifying for pup too. And that's, um, I'm glad I was able to capture that to, um, give a glimpse of what's inside of his head and, and, and how he thinks. And, and, um, this monster he's, he's totally created, um, which is, always kind of been there for him and 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 you know because he it it used to come about when he was younger and just him wrestling with that and and with all of the things teenagers wrestle with it was um it's it's gonna be the wrong word but it was actually fun to write um the dream sequences to to figure out certain areas that that pup would be able to it's
0: I was also super impressed by how you covered so many subjects that are important that are that are timely. I mean, you know, there there was guns and uh teenage the, the, the things that teenagers are going through with love, there was um, addiction, um mm-hmm. the, the racism like oh my gosh, I, I I was just, and and I didn't feel like it was like a brush by on anything. It sat with me, you know. I I didn't want the script to end when it ended. I felt that I felt that. Oh man, I just I really want to still live with these characters. I want to know that they're okay and what's going to happen. So
2: yeah, yes. um, I, I I originally did have a scene that kind of wrapped things up and I didn't like it. I um, Mm. wanted to leave it open. I wanted to leave it with a a sense of hope and, you know, knowing the characters, um, they're going to wrap things up and things are going to be fine. But, you know, I wanted it to sit in um, with just a sense of hope and not give it a clear, you know, wrapped bow on it ending. When people hear the premise of the, play, they automatically believe it's going to be a play that, that deals with racism or it's, it's totally, you know, about racism. They see the setup, the um, black man, the white kid. And um, it was always, it's always been really important to me that um, people know that these two characters actually, their situation actually exists. There, I, I took the inspiration, there are black parents of adopted white children. Um, and I actually had to research some um, to just to make sure I, I, I was doing it right. Um, and one is uh, Peter Peter Ludabazzi. and um, he, he adopted a white son. Another one um, I follow is uh, Kia Jones Baldwin. and uh, she adopted a white son and they talk a lot about um, how they, go through the world with these adopted white children and, and some of the things that are said to them and, and some of the things they have to talk about and maneuver. So all of the rest of the subjects, the addiction and and it's just these two characters as they sit in the world as it is, how they you know would deal with it in the world as they, as it is. so
0: Well it feel it felt very much to me like a love story as well you know the mm-hmm. love of this of this father to this son you know it mm-hmm. it felt it, that's that's what it felt like to me at the end of the day it's like this this bond you know and the stretch of the of that and uh, all of the the turmoil and the things that try to come to break that bond but mm-hmm. oh, god yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because I I hadn't even considered that until you just mentioned it right now. Because what I what I what really impacted me on the script is, you think you know someone, and I think I say this as a parent, right? And I, I Tori and I were having this conversation about like I, I, I was a person. I don't think my mom knows. Me as well as she thinks she does. Um, I think I think there was there was a lot more going on when I was younger that I think my mom would be very terrified if she knew who I was. But I also think about that like I'm having you know I have a teenager now. I'm like what is I know I don't know who he was because I can't imagine you know like if, if my mom did know like what is going on. There's a whole universe going on in in this person that you love so much that you created that you nurtured and and there are there are sides of that human being that you will never be able to fully understand. And I was telling Tori, it's like when he sees the video, when Remy sees the video, like it's like he cheated that that he's got the cheat code for like this one side of 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 PUP. You know, he just got mm-hmm. that glimpse and and it's so complex because he's there's so many factors that are going into who this person is that the parent has very little control over in many ways you know and mm-hmm. I, I that just struck me as because i guess like for me i it's it's always interesting the the parent child relationship and any story is always really fascinating to me so that really spoke to me and i but i love the relationship and i and i did feel that the end even though it wasn't tied in a, in a neat bow i felt mm-hmm. very very hopeful at the end mm-hmm. like like remy's got this he's mm-hmm. he's he's they're they're going to work it was just so beautiful i, I just loved ah, i i just love their relationship in all of its complexities i loved their relationship so much and i and i felt and i got the sense that it's going to be okay it's not going to be a flat road ahead but it's it's going to be okay
2: so absolutely yeah that's what i um my particular i I really love to create um queer characters of color and um put them in stories where there's a sense of hope and not only hope you know them being well with themselves and and finding themselves, but a sense of hope that their worlds are going to be okay. I I see a lot of stories that, um, give the character closure by, by, by having him, you know, uh, start loving himself in the end, but the world (laughs) is still going to be, um, hateful and terrifying. And, and I I just want to, um, yeah, give queer people of color, especially working class queer people of color, a sense of hope. And so that's my goal. That's what I was trying to do with the ending there.
0: Yes. And I should say, <laughs> mission, yes, that when I said I wanted to live more with the characters, it was really just I loved them. I loved these two so much that um, I just I just thoroughly enjoyed it and going on their journey with them. And yes, but you did. You totally accomplished that. A sense of hope at the end. Um, Thank you. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned about having working class characters as your main characters. So one thing that was fun for me to read as a person who lives in San Diego is that it's set in the backdrop of the drive-in in Santee, which you know I live over in that area. So mm-hmm. I went. I've been to that drive-in. That's fascinating, you know. So, uh, so for me, I had this added element of familiarity with the script mm-hmm. and then some of the things that happened that gave uh that continues to give Santee <laughs> the the clan T moniker. Yeah.
2: Right. Whew. Right.
0: It's like it's like you think that um, oh maybe things have changed. You know, things are maybe getting better and then something happens like what happened with the person going in with the this like a mask and the hood and and then suddenly Sante's on the national news.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah. So then you like caught really? the first story that that Remy tone was was based on that incident. I gave it a little mm-hmm. flair, you know, but yeah, yes, it was based on that
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know that it, it it's it's been called that for a long time and with reason. Like the history is there. Plus, drive-ins. Oh my gosh, what a. <laughs> I know to to the youth listening to this
1: podcast. What's a drive-in? No, there's drive-ins. <laughs> I, know, I, took, I know. I took my babies to a drive-in before COVID, so they, so even them, they they now know what a drive-in is. So, um, yeah. But I have a question about the drive-in because so Arts West Playhouse is going to be doing the premiere. So, is there like, have you gotten um, a look at any of the designs? Like, what it's like? Will there be a? Will there be any? Can you give us any information about what it's going to look like? Or
2: <laughs> not yet, unfortunately, it, it doesn't premiere until January twenty twenty two, and it's oh, the that's it's right the second second production they'll be doing. So, I'm I'm sure they're hard at work on on the first production. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, that's true.
2: We're but just I'm, I'm just curious as you are I, I I know the set design I built in my head and there's no way it's going to look like that so I'm curious to see how how they do it myself it should be yeah. should be interesting that when I was doing the um prologue workshop, the stage manager um said with the set that I described that I um had written a set designer's dream like, Um, She said if she was back at school, all of the students would be fighting each other to get that particular design. And so, um, yeah, I'm I'm curious about it, too. I I wonder what the drive-in will look like or the trailer will look like to them.
1: The trailer, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Wow. You know, um, I love what you said there about it being a set designer's dream. I think, Christian, that you have written a play that is going to be the dream of every artist involved with this because the sound design, the lighting, the costumes and the actors. I mean these are meaty nuanced roles for two actors and it's a two-hander mm-hmm. which you know, I remember when I first when I got the play and saw that it was two characters and like oh, how's he gonna do this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I was, I was just, I was already filled with curiosity before I had even before I even dove into reading the tech, you know, the dialogue. So, boy, and then you jump back and forth in time and go into these dream sequences. Um, Mm -hmm. Did, did you start off writing it like that? Or how did you map it out? for yourself as you were writing so that you could keep track of what was happening?
2: What I did was I made a list of the, the points of their story. Um, in uh, it, it was a linear list. Like, this is what happened then. And it was important to do that because I needed to. And it actually, if it, to let you know, something that changed originally um, when Remy opens and he talks about where he met Brian, Pup's father, it was originally at a Prop 8 rally. But um, oh. as um, the, you know, a year or two went by, there was no way Pup could be 16 and Remy could be this age and Prop 8. They would have met at a Prop 8 rally. So um, I, you know, made a list of all the points of what happened between um, Remy meeting Brian and, and um, Brian passing away. And originally, the idea was that the play was going to be completely um, duologue with um, both of them telling the story, and they were going to tell it in order, and I got about 10 pages into that and got bored <laughs> with it. And so I started um, thinking, well, what if I switched it around, and what if, you know, I uh, told this part of the story here and that part of the story there, and... What if instead of um, these things happening with Pup, you know, happening early, they happen later? And that's just where it came about. It, it, I, you know, w- wish there was some deeper thought in it. But honestly, I just got bored with writing it from, from, you know, beginning to end and decided to switch it all around.
1: That's awesome. So, okay, so that leads me to a question so you had it workshopped in virginia right um so you did yeah. and you did you and that's where digital. The... it was
2: during during the pandemic
1: okay okay and then that's really where the script expanded it sounds like is that where it, it you it, you made it from a one hour show to what yes. it is today okay yeah. so my question for you is how do you stay excited about the revision process
2: I wouldn't necessarily say I was excited about it. <laughs> um, so, and, and uh, I wouldn't necessarily say I was excited about it, but, um, I was one of the unfortunate few that had to work during the pandemic. And, um, because there, there wasn't a lot of people out, I, um, you know, have a, a, a eight to 12 hour job and there was a lot of downtime for me. And so, um, I was able to think up all of these new scenes and and all of the directions I might want to take the show and extend the show during that time where I had to be in a situation where I could do nothing but think. And, and, And that's how I was able to come to that. I don't even know if I answered your question. I'm so sorry. You
1: did. You know, it's like it's so one of the things that Tori and I, you know, we talk about, right? It's just like it's 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 overwhelming to work on. We, we, We write 10 minute plays and we feel really comfortable writing 10 minute plays. But then these longer bodies of work, like how do you stay motivated to just keep going? I mean, it's it's it could be, you know, eight or nine 10 minute plays in one full length. Script right, so it's just like that—that that energy to keep going, that motivation to keep going—is uh, is always something that it, when people keep working on it, it's always fascinating to hear how yeah, how they there, keep themselves going.
2: There, there's always with with me. I, I there's always more. It's actually harder for me to write ten minute plays because with me there's always more. Um, I always feel like there's more story to tell and more directions to take it. So I have to sometimes stop myself from overriding and uh, tell myself that this is done and it needs to sit where it sits. If I didn't do that, um, we would have visited Pup in college. We would have <laughs> seen seen Pup in its middle ages. Like I, I would have kept the story going. You know, um, there's always so many directions you can you can take the character and
0: oh it's just perfect as it as it is and i really appreciate and love the references to the old horror movies and that you you know that you were able to bring that in and that it is really an integral part of the script and also monster is metaphor oh Mm -hmm. that was just that's just magic you know how how these things manifest in our minds, and then we start to embody them.
2: I didn't actually grow up watching the classic monster movies. Um, this is going to be so lame. So I got into the monster movies because of the 80s movie, The Monster Squad. Uh, and it, it was a... <laughs> yes. I love, love that, that movie. movie. I love that movie so much. And I um, I was familiar... Only a little bit with uh, some of the monster creatures that was in in that. but um the summer I first saw that movie, I was completely obsessed with monster movies that entire summer. Um, I saw as many as I could we it's um you know, not to give my age away, but this was a time of blockbuster. and um we rented so many monster movies <laughs> that summer because I was completely obsessed with it. And a uh, creature from the black lagoon turned out to be my favorite from all of them. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, monster movies are a bit of an obsession up until this day.
0: So much fun, yeah, and and imagining those on the big screen, right, at a drive-in. Oh,
2: <laughs> that that would be so. I've never had an opportunity to see one of the classic monster movies on a big screen. I think the the Oldest movie I've seen on the big screen, uh, other than Rocky Horror, of course, is uh, um the Lost Voice. I think the oh, Kent Cinema. My gosh! Yes, the <gasps> Kin Cinema in <and>, in Kensington. <gasps> um, they did a showing of the Lost Voice. Oh, be still my amazing heart! amazing to see, see up on the screen.
0: Oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Um, you know, there is a question I want to ask before we segue into the the other segments of the show. How did you come to theater? How did you come to playwriting?
2: So when I was younger, and I was in the third grade, I really wanted to be an actor. And I'm in the third grade, so I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm wondering, how am I going to become an actor? Duh, I'll just write my own movies. <laughs> so um, that's what um, got me into writing. And, and I've always written and um, up until high school, and, it, and mostly just short stories, things like that. I abandoned my dream of becoming an actor and said, OK, I'm just going to write a bunch of short stories. I actually, at one point um, in junior high, Started a a murder mystery story that was um, sent to five different classmates. I made them all each a suspect, and I made another classmate we didn't like. He was the victim, and every week um, I would write down these stories, and we would you know pass them uh, amongst each other, and um, so that's how I got into the writing side of it, and then in high school, I saw, they did a production of The Outsiders, um, the S.E. Hinton book. And Mm -hmm. I had known the movie, I didn't even know there was a play version available. I knew very little about plays. And so I went to see this production and I completely fell in love with it. I could, I I loved that I was watching these um, actors talk live. I loved that they were classmates but they were totally different on stage than I than I knew them in the classroom. I loved the lighting changes and, and some of the fight choreography. And I thought, I really want to do that. I really want to write, like, my own play. I didn't have the opportunity to explore drama in high school. So in community college, I'm going through the list of all of these classes. And they have all of these amazing, like, theater classes. I said, okay, I'm going to try... this theater class. I don't want to be an actor anymore, but I want to know more about theater and what it's all about. And so that's what I ended up doing. Um, And I ended up enjoying it. It was never something I took seriously. It was always just for the class. Anyways, some way, somehow, I don't know how, I ended up running for and, and being elected as the theater club president. And so... One of, the, one of the things I had noticed about theater is that um, the stuff that was considered good theater or great theater always centered people who weren't like me. And that's either white or straight or um, in the middle class. I, I had a very lower class background or, or even even rich. And these were considered the, the great works and so, I at the time had started doing some research on different types of works or different types of plays that don't um, that I wasn't being introduced to in class. And so, when I was elected theater club president, I made it my mission to introduce these works to um, my classmates and let them know, hey, there's this play that that totally has a black cast and. It's, it's not quite Fences or a Raisin in the Sun, but it's still, you know, a Black show. And here's all of these amazing plays that center queer people. And, and, and so, um, yeah, that's where it came about. And, and, and through the Theater Arts Club, we did a show every year called The End of the Year Show. And um, that was where all the students got together and um, they could either perform a scene from a play that was already written they could sing a song it was kind of like a a talent show and i noticed um the theater club before ran it like a talent show and so one year with the year that i became theater club president i thought wouldn't it be cool to do this idea but to wrap it in a in a story and so um i wrote a show about a group a, a group of um college students who were thinking up different ideas for the end of the year show. And through that wraparound story, one would come forward with an idea and then perform their work. And um, people liked that idea so (laughs) much that um, the students all got together and asked me to write them an original play. And um, I did, it was called denim and it was about a, um, a ex a former professional surfer who uh, ran an auto garage in l a and his ex-wife, who runs a small time uh, local record, hip hop record label. And um because of conditions in their particular divorce, she still has partial ownership of the auto shop. So, they lose a venue where they were going to have this hip hop show. And she says, okay, well, I have a place we could go. So she sets up shop to do this show in the shop, which, you know, pisses the surfer guy off. And um, <laughs> so, so I wrote that and um, it it was well received, but it was also the last play I'd written or it was the final play I wrote before I had to leave the college. I had, my father got sick. And so, I unfortunately mm-hmm. couldn't continue with my higher education, and um, I just remember it was how fun those times were. And um, from there, I life got in the way. I started working. I'm. Unfor, I, I tried my best not to be, but unfortunately, I'm. I'm one of the many, many faces of the um, school to job pipeline. Um, it, it just was never in the cards for me to to go to college or complete college. And, and that's what I did. I I ended up getting the job and I ended up working. I moved from Sacramento here to San Diego and I just been working and I heard about the San Diego fringe festival and I read more into it. i learned that you got to produce your own shows and you got to, and it reminded me so much of those days back in the theater arts club. I, started, I asked myself, do I have it in me now that I've been doing nothing but working um, to revisit the theater and to go back and to write this play? And I decided to give it a shot. And I am so glad that I did. I, the first play was in 2016. It was called Frisco. And um, it centered a, it it asked the question at, at that time that was, you know, the Trump time, so I, I wanted to answer the question what would happen if homophobes actually won? What would 30 years in the future look like for for gay people? And um, so, yeah, um, I produced that one and that's where I met Devin Wade who ended up playing pup um, in the, the uh, fringe version of Monsters. And then in 2017, um, I wrote a show called Princes for the Fringe and that was um, asked the question, what if Prince Charming was gay and um, he um, has to kiss all of these maidens because his particular magic power (laughs) is he can break curses with his kiss. So he's not doing it necessarily because he wanted to, but yeah. the only way to break the curse. Oh and so gosh. we produced that one. And that one actually won an award for best LGBT show of the fringe. <laughs> and um, yeah. yeah, from 2017, uh, that was when um, I, I had entered uh, Monsters into scripts. And after that was performed, 2018 came around and um, no, no, wait, I'm missing a show. Zach, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I keep thinking I've been with the Fringe for three years, and it's actually been four. So Zach was after uh, Princess, and that one was um, a spoof, a parody of Saved by the Bell, and it actually—oh my! God. Yes, it it actually focused on the two um, characters of color in the show. Um, which were um, the character of Lisa and the character of Slater, Sleep. and it told um, which aren't called Slater and Lisa in the script. They're they're totally new creations, um, but um, it, it it told about the wacky adventures of Saved by the Bell from their POV and how the world looks like to people of color who are caught in predominantly white environments. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, sometimes the the, the yeah the, the fun and games don't always translate and don't, over, especially because I mean we can't hang out with a group of white people who are pulling pranks on everybody. We'll get in trouble. <laughs> we'll, they'll you know if, if if they remember anyone from the group of, of 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 kids laughing, they'll remember the one black person, and so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I wrote an original story, and it only lightly touches. And I I, I, I add some um, other if you you know if you know television sitcoms in the '90s, I, I added some other characters that are mentioned that kind of touch on other shows like The Fresh Prince of Bel Air and um, Family Matters. But um, that one, um, I had a lead actress for it who was um, in the show, and she ended up not working out. So we had to totally revamp the show like um, a day before we opened and we did it reader's theater style where I read <laughs> as, as the character and oh my um, gosh. we we had to do it. And that's why they're fringe shows. Of course, you, you, you have to stay on your toes and and you, 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 you have to adjust things quickly. I was kind of disappointed because we had run through all of this blocking and I had all of these, you know, um, the the only set for Zach um, is uh, two student um, desks, um, like they're sitting in a classroom, and um, they jump up, they tell the story, they um, take on other characters, and so I had all of this great like stuff blocked out and that we couldn't do anymore, you know, because I was uh, I had to take the role, and then from there, the following year, that's when we did monsters.
0: I know I am not speaking for myself when I say thank you for taking the risk that you took those uh, it hasn't been that long like a couple of years ago just to bring your fabulous talents and gifts to us because
1: but hmm. I also want to uplift something that I mean, your story, uh, your trajectory is incredibly powerful because I think there are a lot of people that have a dream and they're like, "Oh, well, you know, I I didn't do it and now I'm I'm working and I, you know, like and so I can't I can't do it. It's not for me." And you just just did a little research and found out more about this the Fringe Festival and and look at you now. I mean, it's it's pretty powerful. It's pretty amazing what you've been able to accomplish and it's that whole sticking with it, Tori. We were just talking about it. Yeah, you, we were you just s- talking about it. This 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 idea of you sticking with it um and and taking a chance on something. And but also you you are you're making things happen. You yep. are 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 taking the initiative to to tell these stories and you're you are in control of of your trajectory. It's really power it's amazing to hear that a lot of people need to hear this story because you're an inspiration you. for people that think that, that, oh, it's, I can't do it.
2: It was always because, you know, I, I'm from the background, the, the the school, the job background, I, I my father was too. And um, I watched him, um, that's all he did every day was he, he just worked mm-hmm. and worked and he had the most amazing singing voice. And I think in another life, he probably would have pursued it, but he he never did. He um, worked all of his life, and I saw myself heading in that direction. It, it if I don't do things impulsively, I won't do them at all. So if I actually took a moment to stop and 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 think about it, I totally would have let the moment pass by. But. And immediately after um, doing the research on it, they said they were still taking signups for it. And I said, OK, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to do this and I'm going <laughs> to I'm just going to see where it goes. There was no because they, they only have a set amount of um, room for entries. There was no guarantee that I was going to get in at all. And so um, I'm, I'm really lucky that I got in. But once I got in, I now I have to write a play and pull off this, you know, it, it, it was all mostly on impulse. Um and I, I'm thinking, you know, if I think about it, it's just the drive to break what what I knew and you know and and what I was supposed to do, um, which which is work, you know, um and right. and, and pursue something different, you know. I'm
0: so glad that, that you carved out time to spend with us and have this conversation.
2: Oh, thank you yeah. so much for having me. I, I, as I've told you before, I'm, I, I'm better at writing things down than I am speaking out loud. <laughs> so, um, um, but it, it, it was another opportunity where I told myself if I settle with what I normally do, which, 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 you know, I, I, Wanted to to push myself to you know to speak and and you guys gave me the an amazing opportunity to and so I'm really grateful thank you,
0: but now we're to our goofy <laughs>
1: yes n- now to, okay. to change up the vibe yes okay so I'm gonna do our asking for a friend which is our, our our segment that where we ask provocative questions to our guests all right so we talked about monsters today so Christian. If you could have a nice dinner with any monster of American cinema without the risk of any harm, so you will be safe during this nice dinner, uh, who would it be and why?
2: Hmm. That is a very good question. Well, I'd probably prefer to dine with a monster that wouldn't have me for dinner or I... (laughs) Um, Oh, that's such a weird question. Okay, so, um, well, I mean, if I'm looking for conversation, I can't choose the, the monsters who are nonverbal. But then if I choose the verbal <laughs> monsters like like Dracula, he's going to want me for dinner too, but he can't hurt me. So I'm going to go with Frankenstein but the classic movie version of Frankenstein, everyone knows the the novel version and is, it's actually not as sweet and gentle as the, as the film version. Um, I'm going to go with, with, with him. Um, he was semi verbal and he was really sweet. It was actually the, the, the humans who were horrible to him. Um, mm. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Frankenstein. I, don't quite remember he he didn't eat human people so we can both enjoy like a plate of spaghetti and meatballs so okay yeah final answer frankenstein
1: that yeah because that was going to be the final the, or the follow-up question right tori is like well what would you eat <laughs> so yeah spaghetti and meatballs <laughs> okay sp- okay i like that and oh and so okay so why so why frankenstein why, what? why frank? Is it I, what why, why would you choose frank so it, it's it's Frankenstein's monster, or does he go by Frankenstein? Because it's, it, it's in the book, it's Frankenstein's monster, Frankenstein's but, monster yeah, right? People yeah, people can connect it two, so... All...
2: To, so. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. I think he would be really interesting to talk to, and I also think he would be a really sweet dinner mate. Um I think Dracula, the other monsters, if going down the line. I think Dracula would play, try to play too many mind games. I think the Wolf uh, Man. I think his his um, eating habits would be atrocious. <laughs> um, I don't <laughs> even want to know what what the Gill Man, who is the creature from the Black Lagoon. I don't even want to know what he eats or how he eats it. Um, <laughs> But uh Frankenstein, I think he's doable. I think we we can um get him into a seat. I think we can get him to use a, a knife and a fork. Um and he'll he'll give some really sweet conversation. So yeah, that's why I'm going with him. All right. Did I miss right. the monster? The mummy, the mummy. Do mummies eat? That is a good question. That's a good question. Yeah. Okay,
1: unrelated, but it just reminded me of something. My kid asked a really fascinating question. Um, do
2: zombies poop? Oh. <laughs> that is a good question.
1: Just something, <laughs> just something well, to I think I mean, about. it depends
2: on if they still have their organs.
1: Yeah, because well, you know, zombies cause, eat, right?
2: Right, right. Mm-hmm. Zombies
1: eat. So how does, like, do they, like, when is the tank full and... And I was like, maybe they just don't have like the the control of their. So maybe they're just
2: maybe a it just mess. Goes all the yeah, way yeah, 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 yeah. It's right.
1: gross. Okay,
2: all right. I have another Sorry question: to... <laughs> Would would Frankenstein's monster and the mummy would they be considered zombies? Oh. They are technically reanimated. They they were we,
0: dead, right?
2: Uh-huh. They were dead. Yeah.
1: I've never thought of zombie as a category with subcategories. That's fascinating.
0: Oh, I feel a new script coming on. <laughs> oh,
1: fascinating! That is a, huh? Mm-hmm. The word, right. Yeah. Like I said, these are provocative questions, and they lead to more <laughs> <Yeah>. provocative questions. <laughs> Fabulous! All right. Well, thank you, thank you for that. And you know, and and uh, Frankenstein's monster doesn't he have a, doesn't he dress in a sport coat normally? Like so he'd be right, or is that does he have I, in the movie? I, in a I in nice coat? So. Yeah, No, Tori? Or am I thinking of Herman Munster?
0: You might be thinking of Herman Munster. Okay.
2: I loved that show. I loved that show.
1: (laughs) The Munsters. That's a great show. Um, Okay. So... Now, we are going to invite you to give our listeners a writing prompt because we always like to to leave people with something to do so there are no excuses to get to work. So, do you have a writing prompt for us?
2: I do. Okay, listeners, um, write a 10 minute duologue with two characters where each character tells a different story, different story that connects at the end somehow. seemingly different story that connects at the end somehow. Um, Let me tell you my, my inspiration for that, you know, other than the obvious I use it with, um, with monsters has a dual log device, but I was trolling through YouTube this morning and just going through various stories. And I came across one where there was a, a, a retired police officer who had been, Pulled over by a younger police officer. And they're making small talk, you know, um, while he's checking the license and registration. And they both discover they live in the same neighborhood. Um, And the retired cop is telling him, Yeah, I remember this neighborhood so clearly, the street specifically, because I delivered a baby in that house over there. And the cop says, That house, it turns out, the cop that the younger cop that had pulled him over was the baby he had delivered all of those years ago. And yeah, it, it, it's amazing. I'll probably send you the the link to the story, um, after this. But, um, so I was thinking, you know, if both of them were telling this story, the, the retired police officer telling the story of being pulled over and the, the younger police, or maybe the younger police officer, telling the story of pulling someone over and the, the retired officer telling the story of delivering the baby, how if they told the story, it would have to connect at the end with them coming to, you know, this stop. And so that inspired the prompt.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's fabulous.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that. Yeah. And it's got that wonderful element of surprise. Did he get a ticket? (laughs)
2: <laughs> did he let? Him, I, I, did he just I let him go with a warning? <laughs> yeah, the the story didn't say. The story didn't say, but but I, I'm sure he he was let off the hook.
1: <laughs> Hope so he brought you into this world.
0: <laughs> wow, thank you for that. You know, I I was thinking. We talked about how ten minute plays. That's especially that's my jam. So I love this prompt, and I accept your challenge,
2: Christian. Great!
0: (laughs) I'm going to do it.
2: Am I going to get to? Am I going to get to see the script? I'm going to get to read it. Oh, yeah. Be careful what you ask for. (laughs)
0: I was going to say, don't ask. Suddenly your inbox is going to be flooded <laughs> with 10 minute plays from me. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, that is I, awesome. I'd love to see what you come up with. So, just challenge accepted. Okay. <laughs> yes. <an> official ask.
1: <laughs> Great. Oh, Christian, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Um, Tori and I were literally talking yesterday about how we are going to travel to Seattle um, in January to go see your play. Like we're, I, well, I said I, I said I was going, and then Tori suddenly invited herself on, on the trip. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> so that's yeah. our
0: that's our that's our new goals. Our our. Um, for Hey Playwright is we are starting to venture out and go see plays together, but what a wonderful way for things to come full circle for us by supporting the artists who come onto the podcast and share time with us. So.
2: well, Thank you. It's, it's very much appreciated. I, I think I might've forgotten to mention this, but in, in, in case um, traveling to Seattle, it, ends up being too much of a feat. I, I believe that Arts West Playhouse are offering hybrid um, performances. They're doing both a digital version and uh. and um, pro- producing it live. Um, and oh, mostly no, for, for people, and they made the decision, I believe, before we knew exactly what was going to happen with the pandemic. And just um, mm-hmm. for people who don't necessarily feel comfortable with with, going out to live theater yet. They're they're doing this hybrid season. Um,
0: or, or who can't like it can get kind of pricey. Right. Um, but, f- but for me, I think I really want it, it, you know, if it's safe to travel in January, I really want to see how this plays out on yes. stage in front of me, I, I really want that experience with this play.
1: Yes, uh, so. I, I agree. I, I'm if if we're able to, if the world allows us to travel. I think I haven't. I, I have to say, I was telling this story. I haven't been as excited about a play in a long time. I read a lot of plays, and I just mm-hmm. I. I just think this is something... This is such a special, special play. And I think I'm excited to see visually like what it's going to look like. And while I love virtual theater and I'm excited about it because it, it you know, people are... Like, it's just the access aspect of virtual theater I think is incredible. Um, if if I can go, I'm going to assume that I can go. Like, I mm-hmm. assume the world is, I'm going to go. Because I i just think that this is this is the kind of work that i want to support so
2: well thank you thank you both so much me
1: too i was gonna say and tori does too i I speak for her when i say that (laughs) yeah no for sure thank
0: you so much for sharing space with us today christian we enjoyed this conversation so very much and we look forward to continuing to see your work realized on stages around the world. So, thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Tori, I am obsessed with this play. I am obsessed with him. I am obsessed with all that he is accomplishing. I just. Hey,
0: Christian, I, you've been warned.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Tori and I get. <laughs>
0: This means that you know we might be following you from town to town the same way that <laughs> yeah. I sometimes follow follow the counting crows. Like,
1: are we gonna become like like St. Croix heads, like the deadheads?
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, for sure. I, I totally would do that. Christian is amazing. And if you if you want to learn more about him, please. Go to his website. There's a link to it at heyplaywright.com. So if you have an opportunity to see one of his plays, do it.
1: Do it. Do it. All right, Tori. That wraps up this episode. Many more to come. I'm so excited for this season. We've already started gathering interviews. So uh, it's going to be a good one. Third Third. Third season's a charm. I don't know. Season one and season two were charming. They were too, pretty. So, they, yeah. they were
0: pretty stellar. I mean, yeah, for sure, the caliber of people that we have that said who, yes to
1: us—that's what I was going <laughs> to say—but
0: who are willing to step in to our <laughs> strange circle. And, yeah. <laughs> so to everyone who you know shares time with us, we really appreciate it. If you like what you heard on here. You know what what I did like about? it. I did, did like it. it. I, I did. did too. But you oh, are not talking to me. No.
1: Not talking no. So, uh, oh. Tell yes. tell them where they can so, find us. Yes, you can find us. Uh you can find hey playwright uh on Instagram. We are at hey playwright. Uh and you we are also on Facebook and Twitter, same. All of our all of our usernames are the same at hey playwright. And you can also check us out at heyplaywright.com and you can share this episode on apple podcast or spotify or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts and i think we're getting better with instagram i think i'm not sure we'll keep working on- we're, we're i feel like there. we're okay for for middle-aged people you know this we're is not true. we're not 13 years old good right true. but we are but we're okay we could be worse so anyway we're we're, we're working on it yeah yeah, we are still learning right, the everybody. differences between an Instagram post and story, but that's, yeah, that's a that's a lesson for another day.
0: Yeah, thank you. Anybody have any hot tips? You know, post, yeah. post yeah. <laughs> send them to us. Help us, us
1: send, the, <laughs> send us a lifeline. Anyway.
0: Help.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks everybody. We'll see you next time.
0: All right, bye. Bye.